Hello and welcome to another episode of Hour of Healing. I am your weekly host, Joe Debra. And joining me this week as we finish up our previous conversation from last week is Reverend Denzel Ajemai Prempe. Friends, as we told you last week, he is a pastor and a very well-renowned and respected uh, gospel musician in the country of Ghana, West Africa. He is also the founder of Heartbeat Music and a proud husband of one wife and two beautiful daughters. Friends, by the grace of God, we have been discussing this all-important conversation on compromise, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Remember, we had defined for you that compromise is the agreement or a settlement of dispute between two parties. But we had also uh, taken it a step further and said that whenever compromise is concerned, the issue is not always with the initiation of the agreement, but the fact that we do not assess the risk that we are getting ourselves into or uh, the risk associated with the situation that we are getting ourselves into. uh, The Reverend Denzel they talk about this at length in our previous week's conversation. But friends, we also made clear that this concept of compromise should not be um, confused with sacrifice. You know, sacrifice at its original definition is an act of giving oneself or giving an offering to a deity. And so we have said that in, uh, in the core, the etymology of the word sacrifice itself, it had to do with a deity. But for the uh, purpose of our conversation and also uh, the time that we live in, um, the word sacrifice, because it has to do with giving up something, has been kind of conformed uh, into uh, or transposed into an idea which is very similar to compromise. And so we talk about a little bit of this as well. Friends, let's go right in as we dive into part two of our conversation. As I told you last week, we take in flight. So most of the times, things which are without monetary value is very difficult to assess as risk. But things with monetary value is very easy to assess risk. Yeah. The time, <laughs> the time value of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for uh, that, um, uh, Reverend Denzel. Um, but I, I will push um, uh, it a little further because we ask the tough <laughs> questions here because this is our of healing. Because I, I think you are 100% right that things that don't have monetary value, um, it's very difficult to assess the risk. And so what ends up happening is that most of us don't assess the risk. In marriage, for instance, you talked about following just the emotions. But I truly believe that um, those things that don't have monetary value also certainly need to be thoroughly assessed before we get into it. Um, And I think that is the problem or part of the problem that most of our generation uh, face now that mm. we w- get into situations, we get into business, we get into partnership um, that doesn't in- involve money. 
and we say, oh, I trust this person. I feel good about this person. And so we jump into it. And uh, it goes to what you were saying, for instance, that you did not take the time to assess the risk. And so before you know it, you have gone so far from where you are or your true identity, your ethics, your principles. And I think uh, in our day and age, that is one of the biggest challenges that we face as individuals, we face as people of faith, and also as uh, people who uh, genuinely care about others. Because with the uh, example you gave about um, the uh, going into the den of an addict, for instance. Mm-hmm. Now, if that person assesses the risk, maybe it will be better to have that discussion at a different location rather than in the place where there are a group of them that they are more comfortable than you are. And so I think that even though it's difficult, uh, what you are helping us understand is that it's also still necessary that we do assess the risk before we get into uh, even marriage, uh, which uh, I think is one of the things... This in while the doc, you know, um, somebody who has had a broken heart before assesses relationships differently than somebody who has not, yes, because now the person does not just go in with his heart but also adds his or her head. Mm -hmm. That is a way of assessing the risk, correct. But you see, when you have not been in that in love before, uh, uh, you know, uh, your heart has not been broken before, and you go into it like you know. There is the innocence of being genuine is there. So you feel that I can tell the person anything because, you know, this is the person I love. I can Mm. wait until you tell the person that, you know what, I think this relationship is not going to work as as we are dating. So let's end it here. Then the person begins to take screenshots of your messages you've had that you've told Mm. him or her secrets. Mm. You didn't assess. Mm. See, mm. because you are not that experience helps you access thing assess things easily. Correct. Experience. You so and as people of faith, what the Bible tells us to do as we Christians is that what we ought to do is to live our lives in accordance to the word of God. You know, I'm Correct. using the word of God here because I'm a Christian. So you have a blueprint that allows you to be able to walk in life. So that you don't fall into the traps that can easily bring you depressed, make make you depressed, put you in a place where you know your faith is compromised and you know your principles are compromised. Once you begin to use a certain principle or blueprint to manage your life, you are actually assessing the risk before the risk happens. Mm. So one of the key ways of living life. In such that you should be able, that you'll be able not um, you'll be able to fall out of risk, is that there is a principle that guides you. There are ethics that guides you, and that helps you to be a little bit, as it were, risk cautious. You know, mm. as it, mm. yes. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Reverend Denzel. I know uh, you are a minister of the gospel, so I will take you there, um, yes. and um, because. I, I think, and I may be wrong, but personally, I, I think that there are certain things or uh, principles in life that should be a no-go area. That is, we shouldn't compromise on. 
and what you alluded to is one of them, that the principles of our spirituality or our eternal future should not be compromised. But others think otherwise. For instance, we live in a time or uh, in, in an age where there is um, uh, a, a unity, uh, I think they call it unity gospel, that um, being... Unitarian gospel, yes. Yes. Um, so we live in a day, at an, an era of that. And then we also live in a cultural time where there is uh, inclusivity um, being the order of the day. So I'll take you to the, um, the spiritual aspect first. I personally think that um, once you cross that threshold and say, I, I want a better eternal future for my life, that solution, that question, the answer to that question only comes through Jesus. That is my belief. Yes. But we live in an era that that is not the popular belief, believe it or not, even in the Western world. Uh, mm. And so as much as compromise so far that we are talking about is good, even though it has inherent risk, I think when it comes to matters of spirituality, or eternity, that should be a no-go area. Please, sure. Reverend Denzel, what is your opinion on this and how would you advise us? I'll put it in two things. For as, as believers, as Christians, um, the new inclusivity is your exclusivity for God. Mm. I mean, mm. Let me say that again. As believers or as Christians, your inclusivity is your exclusivity for God. In other words, my principles and my belief guides me and so, f and because of that, it is not, I can, listen, I can love you, but you are not necessarily a friend. Mm. Friendship is a choice. Love is a command. Yes. To love you means I will tell you the truth, not my truth or mm. your truth. The truth. And there is only one truth, which is in the word of God. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. The truth, not, he didn't say there are many ways and there is a truth. He said, mm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you use the purpose, when you use the word there, it means it is exclusive. There mm. is no one else like that person. There is no one else like that. So when I say the one and only Joe Debra, it is, mm. there might be so many Joe Debras in life, but between you and I, it is the Joe, the Joe Debra I know that I'm speaking about. All right. So when you go to your house, there is only one Joe Debra. <laughs> Any other person that comes after you is Junior Joe Debra. So there is the, in, the, the exclusivity of it is what makes it, that, that's what makes it. So if you want others, if they say they want to join you, they have to be exclusive. And in this world, you see, this world is beginning to preach a certain dangerous thing. There is, there, there is not an in-between between good and bad. It is either good or bad. It's either you are Christ-like or you are non-Christ-like. Mm. It's either you are a believer or you're not a believer. Mm. So that's why God said, choose you this day whom you will serve. It is either you are after money or you are not after money. Mm. Now, being after money doesn't make it wrong, the Bible, but the Bible says it's the root of evil. 
So, with this that you are with this that you're asking me, the question I'll ask you is: Is your eternal future important to you or not? Mm. Because anybody who sees the internal future as important to you does not mess around with that. It's like a diamond. When you have a diamond in your hand, imagine you had a diamond this big. I'm sure I would have probably stopped talking to you by now. <laughs> imagine you had a diamond this big. What will you do to it? You would protect it. Of course. When there's an issue, you cut a little piece and go and sell so that you can solve the issue. Right? And this is what happens. Once you begin to cut the diamond off, pieces of it, it shrinks. Right. So imagine the diamond. That is how your spiritual eternity and your spiritual life is. Immediately you begin to cut it off to sell, to please other people. You are shrinking. So why? Because you want to please people. You want to solve other people's issues. You want people to say you are, you are nice. You are, so because of that, you are compromising. So immediately what's happening is you're shrinking. This diamond will not stay the same. But when it comes to the things of the Lord, it's a diamond you keep. Your salvation is something you work out. You allow the Holy Spirit to work. That is the only thing that grows. That is the only diamond that some is added onto. Because you exercise. the fact. That's why David said, Blessed is the man that walketh not. And guess what? If you are not blessed, what are you? So in other words, David was saying that anybody who does not walk in this exclusiveness with God and with Christ, what the person is, is doing is he's, he's actually embracing curses. What is the curse? The curse of eternal damnation. Mm. 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 So it is a very simple thing. There is no middle ground. It is either the only thing in, the only thing in life that you see God gave us choice. And that choice has a repercussion, has a, has a, 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 a as it were, has res, uh, is, has a responsibility attached to it, and has its own repercussions. The question is, what choice are you going to make? So the all-inclusiveness should lead me to Christ, and that all-inclusiveness. That's why the Bible says that when they had gathered together in unison in the upper room, they heard a sound. If that inclusiveness does not bring me to a place of honoring God, it is not inclusiveness. So, so in other words, even though we are coming together in unity and it's inclusiveness, there is exclusivity because we, are, we want to hear a sound. And that sound is only unique to the people who are of one mind. And that one mind means we belong to God. So that's why when they were speaking in, in, in unknown language, some people said, we can hear them speaking in our native language. But yet they are not of us. Why? Because they had, they, had, they had gone beyond your individualistic nature to a place of honoring only God and not pleasing themselves. So in a nutshell, this thing that you are talking about, there is no middle ground. Mm -hmm. I will love you with the love of God and I will speak the truth to you. I won't speak my truth. Because I understand that sometimes people can be very emotion, overly emotional about such a topic. And rather than speaking the truth, rather than speaking the truth, mm. they speak their truth. And when mm. it comes to that, you cannot use your logic and your emotions to explain. You just go through the, to the blueprint and use the blueprint to escape, to explain it. And so 
um, and, 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 and anybody who knows the word of God knows that the word of God talks about setting things which are abominations, of which the so-called inclusivity groups that we are talking about is mentioned in the book of Romans, clear day at night. So if you call yourself, as if you say you're a Christian, do you believe in the entirety of the Bible? Mm. If you do, mm. then please, there's no argument to the issue. Wow. Well, thank you so much, um, Reverend Denzel. Um, I think uh, certainly uh, that sheds a lot of light on this um, uh, important topic. Um, I would take you again in another dimension, also a little uh, step further. Um, and forgive me for this, but this is our of healing. Uh, our passion and our motivation is to bring healing to everyone who, by the grace of God, will tune in to us. And so um, I say that because the premise of this podcast is to not only um, share the love that you are talking about, but also let people know that no matter where you are in life, you are not beyond being helped. And so um, uh, one of the um, uh, situations that I encounter is... um, and this goes for believers and non-believers, but people, um, when they are in the workforce, for instance, you show up to work late. You don't perform your task as prescribed by your boss. But when time comes for you to be paid, we expect that they will hold on to their end of the agreement. So based on what we're talking about, then... We, we should assess, like you said, you gave an example of the speeding ticket, that you have to assess the risk of you speeding to you getting ticket and probably going to court and all those things. And so is there a situation or is there an advice that you can give, especially to our young listeners who approach work with an anyhow, anything attitude, um, but yet... We don't want to compromise on how much we make, but we want to compromise on everything else when it comes to us actually doing the work. Uh, it's something that I see often, and so if you can speak to that, I think that will be very are, helpful for us. There are no shortcuts to making it. Mm. Even the Word of God says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Mm. The word sluggard means that you are you are not using your capabilities to its fullest extent to achieve what must be achieved. Mm. In other words, you are lackadaisical. Lackadaisical people, one, they never last. Mm. Two, they never grow. Three, they never, they never make it in life. You see, there is, a, there is a point, there's a difference between comfort and contentness. I, I am content with what God has given me and where I'm getting to. But however... You realize that comfort is something that is very is a variable element here, and it's it's different in every situation. Now, the amount of neglect you put to your duties tells one the kind of person you are, mm. the kind of person you will become, and then the wages that you earn. That's why it's very important to note this. For our young listeners, especially if you are even a believer, you're a Christian, and you do your work anyhow, and yet you are the same person trying to invite that one person to come to church Mm. to try and give his life to Christ. How would I look at your life and then expect my life to be better? 
Great question. So if they are looking for Jesus, they have to find Jesus in you. So in your work, there must be there must be that example. You must be that example, so that when you are not there, they should be able to say, "Wow, Denzel did not come to work today." We can we feel his absence. Mm. As mm. much as we know that when we are not there, they will replace us. Yes. It doesn't mean that when you are not there, don't leave your footprints of integrity. So the Bible says a good name is better than riches. In other words, your integrity is better than the pay they are going to give to you. Because mm. at the end of the day, mind you, one day, if you leave that job and you go to another job, you need a reference. Mm. <laughs> so for the sake of the reference you would need in the future, I'm begging you, work hard, work with excellence, and work such that when you have left, it will be easy for you to go back and take a reference. If what you are doing today, you can't go back and take any referral, then you should know that you are not doing what God has called you to do by shining forth your light and being the salt of the world. Mm. So to our young ones, which includes myself, because I'm young too. Of course. Wherever you find yourself, do that work well. The Bible says nobody puts his hands to the plow and leaves it and expects to be blessed. Mm. Do it, do it well. So that when you are not there and your name is mentioned, they will say, ah, as for this guy, as for this lady, as for this young man, he's, there's just, as much as we've had so many, many people come in and go, he's different. And so if they are looking for Jesus, let them find Jesus in you. If your work people are looking for Jesus, let them find Jesus in you. Don't work anyhow and expect to speak Jesus to them and expect them to come following you to church. No. Your mm. lifestyle tells them about who you serve. Thank you so much for that answer, uh, Reverend Denzel. And I, I, honestly, I do have a, a personal um, uh, life story about uh, what you just talked about. So when I was um, in my senior year or junior year in high school, um, way back when, um, I was part of a program that, by the grace of God, um, I was fortunate to intern at Morgan Stanley. Now, mm. if anyone knows anything about uh, Morgan Stanley, it's a multi-billion corporation in, in the U.S. And so you don't go I there think. and... Uh, so, it's an Ivy League school. I said, that's an Ivy League work, please. Uh, yes. Uh, you, you don't, you, the echelons of the echelons. Correct. I mean, you don't, you don't go there and mess around. Um, yeah. But when I went in, and as you were saying, my, my philosophy in life um, is very similar to what you alluded to, but I look at it as uh, satisfaction and contentment rather than comfort and contentment. But it's the same principle that I am content, but I'm not satisfied. I want to get uh, somewhere else. So this was a great um, opportunity for me. And I mean, I was very, very happy about that, very content. But when I went in, uh, it was, I believe it was supposed to be a six-week internship. I ended up staying my first time for about eight weeks or nine weeks. Um, I stayed until the day before or the weekend before school reopened. And um, I remember when I was leaving, uh, my manager at that time uh, uh, took me to dinner with some of the co-workers. And he said that, Joe, thank you so much for coming here for your internship because you have renewed our interest in the program that we partner with. And I said, what do you mean by this? He said, well, we've had many interns come over the past few years that 
um, really was just a waste. They were not interested. They, they, they didn't come to learn much, and they didn't help the team in any way. But mm. as a, at a young age, as you are, you have um, done so much for us. And so we want to invite you to come back the next year, which became a whole new problem and things like that with the organization because somebody else has to get the opportunity. But long story short, I ended up getting the recommendation to come back. I went back. At that time, uh, Reverend, the minimum wage uh, was, I think, around $6 or so. They were paying me $16 an hour. I mean, like for, for, for a young boy at that time, that was a lot of money. That was the money I used to buy my first car, actually. Uh, I bought a van when I, I started college. I say that to echo the point that you're saying, that if you compromise on your integrity because you've been given a big opportunity or you've been given an opportunity, um, maybe because you are comfortable, maybe because you are satisfied with what you have gotten, it might get to a point where you are no longer valuable in yes. that situation. And the reason, uh, one of the reasons why this topic actually came about is um, that I, I fear that a lot of our generation, a lot of our young people are losing their value to society mm -hmm. because they are compromising. Mm -hmm. They want to be liked by everyone. Uh, we want to be accepted by everyone. And so we keep compromising on the very things that made us valuable or made us solutions to the problems that exist today. And that is my biggest fear or one of my biggest fear day in and day out. And so I, I, I thank you so much for that. But I want to um, kind of wrap up with a flip side of the coin here. And that is... Could there, Reverend Denzel, could there yes, be a situation where failure to compromise can be as dangerous or even worse than compromising itself? Well, I think it's a it's a reverse. It's a minus minus, which makes it a plus from what you're asking me. It means that failure to compromise where that's in the sense that Anything that has to do with compromise, we've already established that has an adverse effect on you. That, that adverse effect could be coming to an agreement which will be plus, plus or minus. But I'll give you an example. I love him. Not to, not to stigmatize anybody, but he has a virus, which that virus is incurable. She doesn't have a virus, but she loves him. Would you use love as a compromise so that you get that virus and say, I'm going to live the rest of my life taking medications to manage the virus because of love? Mm. Mm. That's a choice that you have to take. Mm. <laughs> and you see, that's, that's one of the, 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 the things that has to do with it. So that's where your personal stand and integrity comes into a lot of things. You know, that's why when you're going to get married, where we come from, they let you do um, a viral test. They let you and do a black word group test. For instance, if I'm SS, mm -hmm. and, the, and the one I want to marry is also SS, what would our child be? <laughs> Definitely SS. <laughs> so you know that the resource value is not going to make him or her live a life which is comfortable. What would you say because I love him? It's different if you do not know. 
But you right. know, the Bible says, lack of knowledge, my people perish. You know that your sickle cell, your one you want to marry is also sickle cell. You love each other. No two ways about that, but you're not married. You've assessed the risk and realized that if I try to give, if we, give, we are pregnant and we give birth, the child is doomed to die. Mm. And that's where we say God should come in, God intervene. But the thing is, if we only applied the wisdom that God has given us, that's why Proverbs says, wisdom is knocking on the corridors of men. But yet it's the same men who neglect the wisdom. If we only applied that wisdom, would we have to? Mm. Mm. So failure to compromise might harm you in the sense that you feel heartbroken. But in the long run, in the long term, you, you would not regret. Let me use myself as an example. I was dating a young lady. In fact, no, let me rephrase. The young lady and I were friends. <laughs> and then we liked each other. I had just come out of a relationship which had broken me. In fact, my first relationship had broken me. That was my first. <laughs> so I told myself, you know, and this young lady... She was a friend, so I was like, you know what? After I, I was like, you know, let me just go and tell her my story, you know, this because I wanted, you know, when you come out of that, you want somebody to comfort you and talk to you. Misery loves but company. I, want, I, I, I had, you see, I had assessed the risks. I knew that going there, I'll get comfort in the sense that she would talk to me, welcome, because she, she liked me before I even went into my relationship and all that. I would still maintain the friendship. So when I went, she saw that, ah, this is the opportunity for me. If the person has left, and, but guess what? At that time, I was not in the right frame of mind. This lady is showing me all the love, listen, and all the care I can get. To the, so one day, this lady, you know, this lady, and, you know, wishing me birthdays on radio stations and bringing cakes oh, wow. to my office. Oh, yeah. And at that time, we were just, you know, I, I was still, you know, um, liking the thing. And, you know, so one day, she's like, you know what? If I don't date her, blah, 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 she's going to hang herself and all that. I had to make a compromise. I made a decision that I don't want anybody's child to die because mm -hmm. of me. So I said, okay, let's go out. I'll date you. <laughs> down the line, my heart. Guess what? It was a wise thing I did because I, I wanted to make sure that I, nobody's child hangs themselves because of me. Fast forward into the dating, I'm still not feeling the thing. You know, it's like it's really not there. Because for me, it was more like a rebound. So one day I called the lady and I asked her in a very nice conversation. Imagine that she got married to somebody and one day the person woke up and said, you know, I never loved you, but I married you because of X, Y, Z, and you were out in, in quotes, out of pity. How would you feel? She was like, that's a very, that's a very bad thing to do. That person will never do well. That person will, you know, then I said, you know what? That is how I feel right now. Mm. I don't mm. love you. I like the friendship and I admire the friendship we have. But I don't. Doc, mm. she mm. insulted me with all the insults <laughs> in the world. But she left. I had my peace of mind. Guess what? Few weeks down the line, she comes back and says, thank you. Why? Because she went back to assess the situation and realized that I had done both of us a great favor because that would have been, she came to say thank you. 
Listen, my brothers and sisters, at that point in time, it was something that I needed to do. I needed to compromise my ego and be insulted so that I can have my peace of mind to protect the two of us in the future. Why? Because I assessed the emotional risk it will cause in the future. Mm. 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 Today, to the glory of God, she's married happy. I'm married happy. Once in a while, we'll text and we'll laugh about the whole situation. You see, that is how things are. You wouldn't know the depths of the, the decision you have taken, especially when it's to safeguard both of you until the future, when you see each other and it becomes a laughing statement. Mm. So that's, that's a, a, take this example I've given and see how you can apply it to your life. It is better to speak the truth and live a life full of peace than to live a lie and never be happy. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, uh, Reverend Denzel Ajimai Prempe, um, for uh, joining us today. Uh, like we do with all our guests, uh, Reverend, we will give you uh, some minutes to give us your closing remarks on this uh, topic, um, which is uh, the conversation which has been uh, focused or centered on compromise. The good the bad, the ugly. Um, I really like where you ended our conversation today um, because uh, it makes us understand that there is value even in situations where we think that we are foregoing compromise because we are protecting the future. The things that are revealed to us are for our benefits. The secret and the deep things, those are for God. And if we don't know tomorrow, all we can do is to try our very best to protect today. Reverend, any closing remarks on this all-important topic? My closing remarks is don't compromise the promise of God over your life for the promises of men. It will lead you nowhere. Wow, wow, wow. Don't compromise the promise of God for the promise of men. Men will fail you. God will never fail you. And so if you ever want to hold on to any promise, I agree with Reverend Denzel Ajimai Prempe. Hold on to the promises of God. Friends, we are so glad that you joined us uh, this week for our section on compromise. The good, the bad, the ugly. Remember, compromise can be a value or an important aspect of our life. We are created not to be on an island. We are created to be in relationships. So find the good things in life that you need to agree on, you need to agree with people on, so that you can exercise or exhibit this all-important trait. But please don't get to the point where you overstep the boundaries of compromise based on your fate. As we said, when it comes to your eternal future, nothing, absolutely nothing, is worth compromising on that. Jesus is the way the truth and the life not a way not a truth not a life it's d and so we we are so thankful that you joined us today for this discussion on both our spiritual our physical our emotional and marital uh situations i hope that uh the examples and the stories that uh, reverend denzel and i shared today will be things that will stick in your life that you will be able to apply 
um, down the line when you are faced with decisions and receive healing no matter where you are in life. God bless you so much. We'll see you same time next week as we bring you another life-changing and thought-provoking topic, which is a sure thing that if you do what God has called you to do, your success in life is a concrete thing. It's not a matter of ifs, ands, or buts. I hope you join us for that discussion next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.